0: Hey, and thanks for tuning in to the Father's House podcast. The Father's House exists to see people discover life in Jesus. We hope that today's message brings you fresh life and renewed hope as you listen. Enjoy. All right, we're going to get into the message. You guys ready for it? Are you ready for it? Let's do this. Uh, Today, I want to talk to you about a word that I think all of us could use a whole lot more of right now, especially this year. Uh, A word that we sing a lot about and we talk a lot about around the Christmas season. Uh, but one that seems to be lacking in so many people's lives. I want to talk to you about the word peace. Come on, everybody, say peace. Peace. Say it like you're you're in serenity, peace, yeah. I want to talk to you about some peace. Uh, In in the year 1967, on Christmas Eve, the late, great Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. uh, stood up to preach a Christmas Eve sermon that he entitled A Christmas Sermon About Peace. I feel like I could have helped him with the title a little bit. It was a little... A little sad, and you know how I love titles, but I wasn't around, so I didn't get to help him. But when he opened up the sermon, uh, he made this statement, and and I felt it was appropriate as we entered into the message today. He said, this Christmas season finds us a rather bewildered human race. We have neither peace within nor peace without. Everywhere, paralyzing fears harrow people by day and haunt them by night. Our world is sick and at war. Everywhere we turn, we see its ominous possibilities. I think if the great doctor was alive today and if he were giving a sermon in 2020 from any pulpit anywhere in the world, he could have dug that sermon out of his Rolodex, out of the archives, and he could have preached the exact same sermon today because how true those words feel in the midst of 2020. I think that things still look a little bit bleak and the future still looks a little bit uncertain. And to borrow his phrase, we have neither peace within nor peace without. There is a whole lot of chaos that has surrounded 2020, hasn't there been? It's been a year of disappointment. It's been a year of division. It's been a year of disillusionment. If there's one thing we need right now, it's peace. And that's why we've been singing some of these songs that we've been singing for the last couple of weeks. It might have felt like salt in a a wound a few moments ago while we're singing, peace now be still and his name is above it all. In the midst of what we're walking through, maybe that doesn't feel like the appropriate anthem, but we knew coming into this season that as a community of believers, we would need to make a declaration of faith over our year and a declaration of faith over our circumstances. Uh, a couple of months ago, uh, Ronnie and, and Leanne, who are leading uh, today, uh, they, they, they sent a song over in a recording, which is the one that we just sang still, and they said, hey, we wanted to share this with you at the beginning of the pandemic, when uh, everybody was sheltered in place, and we were doing that series called uh, How to Stand in a Storm, we just felt like God gave us this song, and so we wrote it, and we recorded it, and we wanted you to check it out, and when I listened to it, I'm like, gosh, this song is incredible, I, I wish we had sung it already, <laughs> like, where has this song been the whole pandemic, but... Uh, it was it was an incredible song, and uh, we set it on a shelf and didn't do much with it for a couple of weeks, but then um, as we were getting ready for uh, our preparation for Christmas, we were sitting down with our team and discussing what we were going to be doing. Another one of our worship leaders, Priscilla, uh, she said, hey, I really think we should do that song around the Christmas season. It should be the theme of our Christmas service. And at first, I was a little apprehensive because I'm like, yeah, it's a, it's a great song, but I mean, there's no, like, there's no mangers, there's no baby Jesuses, there's no virgins, like that's a weird thing to say um <laughs> but like it doesn't feel very christmasy like I, I don't know and she made a statement that has proven to be true she said yeah i, I understand it doesn't sound very christmasy but she said I, I really have this gut feeling that things might get a little bit worse before they get better and i feel like our church will need to sing that declaration in december so i said okay so if you want someone to blame for everything we've experienced for the last couple of weeks there it is she she called it out no uh, And so we said, okay, we'll do it. We'll sing this song. And man, what a timely declaration it has been to be able to sing that the name of Jesus still stands above everything that we're facing. To to sing in the midst of the chaos that we're facing, peace now, be still. It has proven to be a very timely song. And so today for the next couple of moments, I wanna borrow a portion of a lyric from that song and I wanna title this chat, Peace Now not peace when everything changes, not peace when the the pandemic is gone and we're all back to work and the masks are off and everything's back to, not then, but peace right now, in the middle of what we're facing, peace now. So I'm gonna pray and, and, and we'll get into this. Jesus, I thank you for your word. And I thank you that regardless of where we're at in life today, whomever's watching, whatever we've walked through this year, that declaration stands true. Your name is still above it all. And you have made us a promise, a promise that we're gonna explore for the next couple of moments, and that is that we can experience your peace here on earth. And so for everybody that's watching today, I ask Holy Spirit that somehow, supernaturally, you would translate through this microphone over airwaves into living rooms and that the supernatural peace of God would meet people where they're at. Regardless of how chaotic it looks around them, there would be a moment right now when stillness would come and they would sense the very person and the presence of Jesus in their midst. For where you are, there is peace. We love you today, speak to us. We open our hearts to receive from you. In your name we pray, amen, amen, amen. Uh, Peace is perhaps one of the most predominant themes in scripture. It is a massive topic, probably more so than any of us would realize. Uh, In the King James Version of the Bible, the word peace appears 429 times. Uh, my Bible has just under 1,200 pages, so that would be once every two to three pages the word peace shows up. And that may not sound very impressive or, 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 or very consistent, but when you consider some of the other words that we would normally attribute to Scripture's theme, you find out how prominent the theme of peace truly is. Just for consideration, uh, the word sin shows up in the Bible just under 400 times. Faith shows up 336 times. Love, 310. Salvation, 171, but peace, 429 times, more so than a lot of the other themes of the Bible. That tells me that God clearly cares about ensuring that we hear about peace rather often. Here's what I've noticed about scripture the more I study it. The the predominant themes of scripture are the ones we need to be reminded of the most. God knew what we'd be walking through, and so in his omniscience, he put in his word what we needed to be reminded of on a consistent basis. The reason Jesus talks about money a third of the time in his his sermons is because he knew that we would have a hard time wrapping our minds around the idea that our money and our salvation are connected. The, the, The reason that the words do not fear or fear not show up 365 times in the Bible is because we need a daily reminder to not freak out and to just chill out a little bit and trust Jesus. And the reason the word peace shows up 429 times in scripture is because peace is elusive, is it not? Peace is more elusive than a mask at a Trump rally sometimes. I'm sorry, that's inappropriate. That's too soon. Let me, equal offense opportunity. Peace is more elusive than a face mask at the French Laundry. Like, it's something really difficult to find. And because it's so elusive, we are on this endless pursuit to try and find peace. We try so many ways, so many different things to try to lay hold of this feeling of serenity. People go on yoga retreats and they meditate and they get cabins in the woods and they go on long drives in the country and they fill up bubble baths and they listen to nature sounds and jazz and some of us go out onto the golf course and we try to find peace out there and we're looking everywhere for peace. And all of those things are great, and they they provide at least a moment of serenity, but at the end of the day, they all leave us wanting, don't they? Because it's only temporary. They provide momentary reprieve, but the moment circumstances change, that peace seems to walk out the window. You can only hold the downward dog for so long. (laughs) You can only stay in the bathtub for so long before the fingers get pruny, and you have to go back to real life. And real life sometimes is not peaceful. Real life can be chaotic. And the moment circumstances change, the peace disappears. Cabin in the woods, peace. Bear in the woods, no peace. <laughs> Driving the country, peace. Driving on the Bay Bridge in traffic, no peace. Honeymoon in Hawaii, peace. Thursday afternoon, homeschooling your children in the midst of a pandemic, you know the drill. <laughs> Downward dog, peace. Barking dog, no peace. The, the moment... The circumstances change, the peace disappears. And yet the Bible talks about a kind of peace that is not predicated on a certain set of circumstances. The Bible talks about a kind of peace that isn't found in a trouble-free life or in a certain yoga position or in a cabin up in the, in, in the mountains. The Bible talks about a kind of peace that is sustaining. One that, that lasts regardless of what you're walking through. The biblical word in Hebrew is the word shalom. And the word means wholeness, completeness, and soundness. Nothing lacking, nothing needed, inner stability, shalom. A word that transcends circumstance, a word that sustains through whatever you're walking through, shalom. And that's a word we've talked a lot about this year. It's a word that we've done some, uh, some Bible studies on and some devotionals about. And during Easter, we talked about that word. We've preached sermons about that word. We've, we've discussed it a lot. And yet, even though the Bible has it in there 429 times, and even though we've talked about it a bunch this year and we've done the devotionals and the sermons, it still feels really hard to lay hold of sometimes, doesn't it? It still seems to be a bit elusive. And so as we dive into this a little bit deeper today, here's my hope. If, if peace seems to be evading you, it seems difficult for you to lay hold of this biblical shalom. I want to I want to figure out why. I want to figure out what the problem is. Why are we not why are we not experiencing this peace that the Bible promises us? And if we don't have it, I want to figure out where we can source shalom in this season. So, let's go on a little biblical journey if if we could. Uh, most of you would probably be familiar with the Christmas story. Even if you are a non-church going person, you've been in the mall when the Christmas songs were playing and you've, you've heard the story by way of, you know, osmosis, just being in the Christmas atmosphere. So we know, you know, the basic idea there was a virgin and, and she conceived a child and he was going to be the Messiah, Emmanuel, who would come to the world and save it. And then a couple of wise guys showed up when there was a manger and there was some gold and some frankincense and some myrrh. Like we know a lot of the details about the story, but one of the, one of the details that I don't think we talk about nearly enough, is is the fact that the arrival of Jesus as a baby on the planet was actually the answer to a prophetic promise 750 years before he even showed up about this very word that we're talking about, about peace coming to earth. Uh, The prophet Isaiah says in Isaiah chapter nine, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government and his peace, there will be no end. See, at the time of that prophecy, this was a significant promise. Uh, The Israelites, they had turned their back on God, and the prophets were warning them that they were about to be handed over to the Babylonians. They were going to be in exile for a period of time, and things were not good. There was not peace in the land. And so Isaiah shows up and he begins to say to them, listen, I know that things are gonna be bad and there's not gonna be any peace and you're gonna be captured and oppressed by your enemies, but don't worry, there is a time that is coming where a baby will be born to you, a savior will come to this planet and he will be God with us. He will be Emmanuel. He'll be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and then this key phrase, the Prince of Peace. In fact, he, re- he repeats himself when he says, and of his government and his peace, there will be no end. The moment he shows up, it's not gonna be circumstantial peace any longer. The moment he comes to earth, it's not gonna be mountaintop, valley low, mountaintop, valley low, but there will be a sustaining peace that is available to you regardless of what you're walking through. He's coming. This was a massive promise and one that they clung to one that humanity hoped for in that generation. But some time passed. A couple years, a couple decades, and then suddenly, an entire generation passed away never seeing the promise of this prophetic word. And then another generation came, and they passed away. And then another generation came, and they passed away. And this promised peace seemed to elude the people of God for centuries. Until one day, in the backwoods of Bethlehem, a no-name city, a place that people had written off, a couple of shepherds are hanging out watching their sheep, and suddenly there's this massive host of angels that shows up, and they begin to speak of this prophetic word once again. They begin to drum up a 750-year-old promise to humanity. Here's what they say in Luke chapter eight, uh, 2, verse eight. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night, An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. That was our scripture last year for Christmas. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes, cloths cloths, cloths, and lying in a manger. That's Isaiah nine kind of language right there. There's a baby that's coming and he's gonna be God that is with you. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven, and ready, and peace on earth. Suddenly, fast forward, this 750-year-old promise is now right in their midst. Suddenly, the same thing that Isaiah prophesied about, a bunch of angels are singing about, And the hope for humanity is available once again. They're like, okay, the moment has finally come. The moment we've been waiting for all this time, the Messiah is showing up. The Prince of Peace is gonna be here. A new government's gonna be established. Things are gonna change for God's people once and for all. And it could not have come at a better time. Because although the the Babylonian Empire had long passed, in this season, the Roman Empire had risen to power. They were now the world's superpower. And if they thought things were bad in Babylon, just take a look at how the Romans treated them taxing, oppressing, imprisoning, things were rough. They were enslaved once again to the Romans. And so this prophetic word that the Messiah had arrived would have been the greatest news any one of them had ever ever heard. For a moment, they would have thought, oh my gosh, finally the Roman government is gonna be overthrown. My my cousin's gonna get out of prison. I'm gonna get my tax return. Like, it's gonna be great. Like, it's gonna be amazing. Amazing. And everybody is celebrating this baby that comes into the planet to be the Messiah, and so they watch him grow up. They, they 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 watch him as he becomes a carpenter and builds their lawn furniture for them. And it's like that doesn't seem much like a politician, but you know it, it's fine. He's going to grow into it. It's going to be good. And finally, one day at the age of thirty, Jesus steps into his ministry. All of a sudden, he starts doing things that no ruler could ever do. He's healing those that are sick and opening blind eyes and opening deaf ears and raising the dead and miracle after miracle after miracle, multiplying food. And, and, and the masses are coming to see him. Thousands and thousands of people are gathering. They're flocking. They're coming to his rallies. And they're like, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Make Israel great again. And you know, they're, they're going for it. way too many political puns in this message. <laughs> and for a moment, it looks like finally this answer, the, the, the Messiah has come. The answer we've been looking for is here among us. But then Jesus, one day in the middle of like one of the best rallies, rallies he's ever had, at the climax of his ministry, he makes a statement that completely shocks the crowds. A statement that seems to contradict everything that Isaiah prophesied and the angels sang about and for a moment, it's like a gut punch to all of these people who have been waiting for their savior to come. Look at what Jesus says. Matthew chapter 10, verse 34. He says, hey, um, don't think that I've come to bring peace to earth. <laughs> I haven't come to bring peace, but I came to bring a sword. Wait a minute, what? Je- Je- Jesus, <laughs> they said you were like the Prince of Peace. <laughs> that was like your title. It's on your business card. I mean, I, I, I am not here to bring peace. I, I didn't come to do what you thought I was gonna do. I didn't come to rise to power and overthrow a governmental structure and reign in peace and give, uh, g- give you everything you wanted so that you could finally rest and, and never have a care again on this planet. Yeah, that's actually not why I'm here. If you thought that's why I'm here, that's, that's my bad. I'm sorry, that's not why I'm here. Well, then why are you here? This was the promise we've been clinging to. This is what we've been waiting for. I mean, we've been been waiting 800 years almost at this point for this savior to come and to be the the reigning prince of peace. Yeah, that's actually not why I came. And for a moment, once again, humanity is stuck with their problems while peace evades them. Once again, they're left wanting and waiting for a savior that they thought was among them but never showed up. Now, I wanna pause the story at this moment because although this is a 2,000-year-old tale, I wonder if it doesn't doesn't apply to where many of us find ourselves today. I wonder if maybe some of you that are watching today would say, yeah, I feel like I've been waiting for a savior that hasn't shown up yet. I feel like I've been waiting for a peace that everyone kept promising was gonna show up, but I have not felt that peace yet. I find myself in a situation where I've prayed the prayers, I've asked for the healing, I've, I've done everything I was supposed to do and I feel no peace. Let's be honest, I think a lot of Christians are wondering that right now, where is God? Did he take a vacation in 2020 or like, what is going on? If, if he truly was God, if he was God among us, if he was the Prince of Peace, then we should have seen some stuff by now, right? We should have seen the eradication of a virus and we should have seen the abolition of injustice and we should have seen the inauguration of some kind of governmental structure that brings peace on earth. But we haven't seen any of that this year. If anything, we've seen the increase of the opposite. There's no peace. It it feels like everything around us has gotten more and more and more chaotic. So where is this promised peace, the prince that we've all been waiting for? Well, My friend, if that is the kind of peace that you're waiting for, I don't wanna be the bearer of bad news, but I fear that you might be found waiting until your grave, like many generations that came before us, looking for a moment that will never come. Because that kind of peace here on earth does not exist until Jesus splits the, the clouds and he comes back for his bride on a white horse and he makes everything right in this world. But until that moment, until the return of Jesus Christ, there's going to be some stuff we have to deal with on this planet, which leaves us with a bit of a problem, doesn't it? A quandary, if you will. Because either the Bible's not true, Isaiah's a liar, a false prophet, and the angels turned to the wrong song in the hymnal guide that night, or we have a bad definition of what peace on earth looks like. Now, many have concluded the former to be true. Many have said the Bible is a waste of time. Christianity is a religion for weak people and a crutch that you need. And if that's what you need, well, then go ahead and you do your thing. But there's no way that this this God exists because if he did, things would look a little bit different. But I have a speculation that you're probably not in that boat today because you're watching church right now. (laughs) So let's lean into the latter for just a moment. Perhaps we have a bad definition of what peace on earth really looks like. Allow me to offer you an alternative definition for peace. It may not be the peace that we've all been hoping for or looking for where pleasantries and circumstances change, but but maybe this is what biblical peace looks like. God's peace is internal peace despite external chaos. Internal stillness, internal peace, despite the fact that the storm is raging around me. That kind of peace does not require all the bills to be paid and all the sickness to be healed and all of the problems to go away, but a peace that exists in the middle of it all, internal peace, despite external chaos. One day, uh, Jesus was, was talking to his disciples, and um, he was getting ready to be crucified in Jerusalem, and uh, he was heading that direction but he knew he needed to prepare his, his, his disciples before he left because even they had bought into this idea that he would become a political figure that would overthrow the Roman government and he would become the, the, you know, the king on earth that would create a new, uh, a new rule and a new reign in, in humanity. And, and he knew he needed to correct that a little bit so that they weren't disillusioned when things didn't go the way they thought. And so he goes on this really long dissertation explaining to them what life is going to look like when he's no longer around. And he makes some interesting statements, some statements that they probably did not expect. They were expecting the prince of peace to rule here on earth so that peace would be their circumstance. But look at a couple of the statements that Jesus makes. John 15 verse 20, he said to his disciples, hey, since they persecuted me, naturally they're going to persecute you. And if they'd listen to me, they would listen to you. They will do all this to you because of me, for they have rejected the one who sent me. John 16, one, he says, I've told you these things so that you won't abandon your faith for you will be expelled from the synagogues. They're gonna kick you out of church and the time is coming when those who kill you will think that they're doing a holy service to God. I'm telling you these things now so that you will remember my warning. John 16, 33, here on earth, you're gonna have a whole lot of trials and sorrows. (laughs) Again, not the bumper sticker you put on the back of the car. And if you're a disciple waiting for the Prince of Peace, This is not the speech you expect. If you're a disciple waiting for a politician to rise to power, you expect this kind of speech at the climax of his ministry to be we're going to take over Rome, we're going to kick them off their thrones, we're going to kill them all, and we're going to rule in peace. Which doesn't sound very peaceful. (laughs) But that's what you're expecting. Yet that's not what Jesus talks about here. He talks about the exact opposite. He's like, hey, you think things are bad now? (laughs) Buckle up, buttercup. It's going to get a little bit... he starts telling things are gonna get even worse. You're gonna be persecuted. You're gonna be kicked out. People are gonna to start to kill you. It seems like Jesus is only promising chaos and not peace. But then at the conclusion of, of this exhortation to his disciples, look at the statement Jesus makes in John 16, He says, I've told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. I've told you about all the bad stuff that's gonna happen so that you could have some peace in me. Can we consider the weight of that for just a moment? That is a massive statement. I'm telling you about everything that's gonna happen. I'm telling you there's gonna be viruses and there's gonna be division and people are gonna hate one another. They're gonna arrest you, they're gonna kill you, they're gonna put you in prison. Everything that you've put your hopes and your trust in, they're gonna crumble. But I'm telling you all of this now because that's not where you're supposed to find your peace. You're not supposed to find your peace when the world is all in order and the stars align and everything is honky-dory. No, I am actually a greater source of peace available to you. It is found in me and not in the circumstances of this world. I'm telling you this now so that you will have some peace in me. And, And I know that that is a hard thing to wrap our heads around. Like it's almost nebulous. Peace in me, what does it mean? It seems too good to be true, but can I just tell you as a person that's been walking with Jesus for a little bit of time, that kind of peace actually does exist. A peace that surpasses our understanding. A peace that sustains in the midst of chaos. I can tell you that I have watched many people in our, in our faith community hold on to peace over the last nine months when it made no sense. I've watched people who have been completely destroyed. They've, they've been, their, their, their savings, their businesses, everything that they had built, it's been decimated as a result of this, but they're still holding on to Jesus and they say, I still got some peace. I've seen people lose friends and family members to sickness or suddenly, and yet in the midst of it, they still stand with hands lifted in the presence of Jesus and they say, I still trust God. I'm still going to follow him the rest of the days of my life. I've watched people whose marriages have fallen apart and relationships have fallen apart. And when everybody else saw that they were going to turn sideways and run away from God, they just said, you know what? I'm standing my ground because I serve the Prince of Peace and it doesn't make sense, but I have a stillness on the inside of me right now and I will not be moved. I've watched couple, individual after individual, family after family in our church cling to their peace in a season when it made no sense. And I can tell you from my own personal experience, there's been plenty of opportunities over the last nine months as chaos has surrounded us to freak out. But in one moment, in the presence of Jesus, it's like his peace, his shalom comes. And don't get me wrong, I'm still gonna pray for a miracle. I'm still the guy that believes in a miracle working God. I'm still the, the guy that's gonna declare the name of Jesus over the storm and say, he can still heal sickness. If there's a storm you're facing and you're sick, he's still a healer. If your marriage is broken, he's still a restorer. If you're decimated and you got nothing left, he's still a provider. I believe in the God that can reverse the storm and speak to the waves, command him to be still, the winds to stop. I believe in the miracle working kind of all wonder God. Like I believe in that. But let me tell you, the last nine months, we've also come to know a God that stands with us in the storm. The God that looks at the chaos around us and goes, ah, I see the storm around you, but I'm gonna quiet the one on the inside of you for now. A God that gives us an inner peace despite external chaos. And I believe that that is the kind of peace that is available to you today. In fact, I know that that is the kind of peace that's available to you today. It's the kind of peace that God wants to deliver to all of his children. A shalom that is not predicated on everything in your world being okay, but a peace that walks you through, yes, even the storm. And maybe you didn't write peace on your Christmas list. Maybe you're not going to get it wrapped up underneath your tree. But as cheesy as this sounds, it is the gift that God wants to give to every single one of us this year. In fact, it's the same gift that he promised to give to us a couple thousand years ago when he talked to his disciples. Look at what Jesus said as the the band comes and we conclude today. John 14, 27. The same context of him talking to his disciples about all the chaos that they're going to endure. He says, Oh, and by the way, I'm leaving you with a gift peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift that the world cannot give. It's a peace you cannot find in the mountains or at the yoga retreat, or in the bathtub. You're not gonna find it there. It's a peace, a shalom that sustains through the worst of circumstances. He says, this is what I'm leaving you. I'm leaving you this. Things are gonna get bad. And I'm not, I'm not the prophet of doom, but I don't know what the next couple of months hold. Things could get worse. They could get better. But regardless of what happens, there's shalom available to us. There's a peace and a stillness that is available to every single one of us today. And I wanna pray that over you as we conclude. I wanna pray that the peace of God would guard you in this season. But before I pray for for all of those who've maybe already put their faith and their trust in Jesus, I wanna take a moment before we conclude, and I wanna speak to those of you who might be watching today and say, you know what, I, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I'm far from God today. You know, Isaiah chapter nine, he said that when Jesus showed up on the planet, when he showed up on the scene, this kind of peace would be available. Well, the same is true of your life. The entrance of Jesus is where it starts. And when he shows up in your life, that's when you can begin to walk in peace. And the beauty of inviting Jesus into your life is that it's not complicated. He doesn't require you to get your ducks in order and all of your stuff figured out and clean yourself up so that you can come to him and present a finished product. Now he says, come directly as you are. No matter how bad your life is right now, no matter how many things you think you've screwed up, just come to me as you are and we'll take it from there. And if you're watching today and you're far from Jesus, I wanna say a very simple prayer. And you can pray this along in your heart as you're you're watching, but this prayer could be the moment where you invite Jesus in and you get to experience some shalom. Pray this with me. Jesus, today I give you my life. I thank you for coming to this earth so that I could have peace. I know that the peace that I've been looking for doesn't exist. I've tried it. I haven't been able to find it anywhere, but I desperately need that peace that's gonna carry me in the midst of this storm. So I invite you into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Thank you for for shedding your blood on a cross so that I could be saved. And today I make a decision to follow you for the rest of my days. I wanna be your disciple to walk in your ways from this day forward until I see you in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, can we just thank God for every single one of those? Thank you for praying that prayer along with us today. Hey, we're incredibly passionate about helping you take your next steps. The last thing we want you to do is to pray that prayer and move on with life without doing anything practical to follow up on it And very easy way to follow up with us there's a button popping up if you're watching on the live stream it says raise my hand, you can click on that button and it'll ask you to give a little bit of information about yourself, we've got a bible we'd love to give uh, give to you and uh, a journey we want to start with you called First 40 where for the first 40 days of your faith we'll teach you how to pray how to read that bible, we'll teach you how to do what Ethan did and get water baptized, all the next steps of your faith, Um, if you're watching this at a later time, you're listening to the podcast uh, you can also text TFH sf to 97000 and that same form will come right there to your phone but we're just really passionate about helping you get started strong uh, for the rest of us both those in the room and and those that are watching today online i want, I want to pray a simple prayer uh, that many pastors have prayed at the conclusion of their sermons um, but a prayer that does uh, that does lay hold and encompass all that we're talking about today this this peace and aaron prayed it and the priests prayed it and i think i ca- i can try to put on a little collar and pray it myself as your pastor today But here we go, ready? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you shalom. That is my prayer for you this year, that you would find some shalom around Christmas. You'd find some peace. And if you need prayer for anything right now, uh, we've got some people standing by live on the the live stream that would love to pray with you. You can click the little prayer button and we'll pray with you before we conclude. But for the rest of you guys, we'll either see you tonight at the candlelight service or have a Merry Christmas and we will see you the first week of January. We love you. Thank you for an amazing year here at TFH. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to the Father's House podcast. We hope it helped you wherever you're at in your journey. And listen, we wanna pray with you if you're going through something right now that's difficult. You can go to our website, tfh.church, and click on the prayer and praise link and tell us how to join you in prayer. Until next time, be blessed.